by SASDOG 2017, the conference to turn your SAS up to 11. In this episode of the SAS Revolution Show, Alex Humer is joined by Hannah Chaplin, CEO and co-founder of Receptive, providing product demand intelligence for SAS companies. Hannah talks to Alex about going up market and selling to mid-market and enterprise customers as an early stage startup. You can find a short write-up of my conversation with Hannah, including all names and links on sasdoc.com forward slash blog. Let's hear more from Hannah. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show. I'm your host, Alex Sumer, and I'm super excited to be joined today by Hannah Chaplin, co-founder and CEO of Receptive. Welcome, Hannah. Alex, thank you so much. I've literally been looking forward to this at the weekend, which probably says something about the weekends. But um, yeah, I have. So thank you. Yeah, good. Either, either that or you're just a total podcast geek or a, or a SaaS fan. Uh, probably a bit of both. A bit Alex, of both. Well, <laughs> I would hope um, or maybe expect that given you're a founder of a SaaS company that um, that, that you would be. Yeah. Um, and um, so, so Hannah, you know, it's been, uh, well, I've known you for, I think, uh, a couple of years now, probably since the, uh, the start of Receptive. Um, uh, I think you came to one of the SaaS meetups that we held in London probably a couple of years back, if, if that's right. Yeah, and I think we talked before that when you were like very, you know, when you just started Sasquibe as well, um, did a, a couple of articles for you and um, I remember having the, you know, similar conversation at a similar time, you were starting out, we were starting out, so um, I think we just made friends uh, <laughs> over that. That's, that's that's right, actually, yeah, I just, uh, <clears throat> I sort of forgot about that, that the, you, you actually, I think, did the initial outreach about um, writing an article for, for Sasquibe, but uh, I, I, I digress clearly, um, uh, uh, well, the audience can probably hear that, uh, that we know each other, um, and, uh, but the audience may or may not know, you know who Hannah Chaplin is, so tell us a little bit more about, uh, about yourself. Sure. So, like Alex said, I'm the CEO and the co-founder of a, a company uh, called Receptive. Uh, we started out uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and so Receptive is product demand intelligence. So we take feedback, ideas, feature requests from customers, internal teams in the market, and turn that, that data into actionable insights. And I think we'll get that in, into that in a, in a minute, Alex. I can explain a bit more about kind of the why and kind of kind of where that came from. But um, we sponsored Sastock last year. It's brilliant event. Congratulations on that, Alex. It was you know it was great. So we're also you know sponsoring uh, this year as well, and, and very much looking forward to it. Well, thanks for the early uh, the early plug there. Early plug, um, yeah. <laughs> all, all, all good. Um, so, so product demand intelligence. Um, I, I, I love the sound of this. Um, <clears throat> you know, tell us a little bit about you know why you why you started receptive and you know built a product demand intelligence uh, uh, tool. What's the the origin story here? Well, it was really out of the the last company we had so um got a co-founder uh dan jukes and and together we'd founded a, a couple of businesses uh previously and the second one was our first uh SaaS business so we were really keen on building a product so before that we'd um had a digital agency and we'd both come from that sort of uh background and it was very much you know build a product or you know like a website or something and then it would kind of like disappear it'd go into the hands of your client and that would be it and we were both really keen to to kind of 
build a product and, and scale it. So we did that with our uh, our second uh, business, which was online stock control and order management, which sounds incredibly boring, but it was it was really fun. Like the whole, you know, building the SaaS product for the first time was a great experience. But we hit this problem as we started to scale. We had like quite a broad customer base at that stage. So we had some like sole traders. We had some larger, you know, proper proper companies on the platform. And we found like managing their feature requests was just, it was a nightmare. We didn't know like who the requests were coming from, how important they were. We had really loud, small customers, important, but relatively quite large customers. And then you've got the sales team being like, we need this to close this deal. We need this feature, that feature. I've got some feedback for you. And we just found the whole thing like incredibly like difficult to manage. We didn't know what we should build and and how to align the feedback we were hearing with the you know the, the strategy we had for the for the business so that's really where receptive was born it started off as um it was just like a, an across the office chat with some other with some other folks and it, it really developed into this internal um like little suite of solutions that we started putting together to help us solve that problem to understand what were the highest impact things we should we should be working on um so we built all this stuff out and then realized through talking to friends like SaaS was becoming more of a more of a thing we had we had friends starting to build companies and we just we just realized this was you know a problem not just for us but for for other people as well and we we didn't feel there was uh there was just no solution on on the market to to solve it awesome and so you you, you mentioned there um sort of at, at the beginning that it's not your first startup and it's your second SaaS startup. So, it, it, so it's really your, 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 third, your third startup. What have you learned from these other ventures that has kind of really uh, helped you with, uh, with, with, with Receptive? You know, is it, is it kind of third time um, sort of, well, not lucky, but uh, you've got all of this experience, you know, that, um, from the other, the other ventures that you can put into play with Receptive? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I often say it was like like ten years in the making, really. Um, so my first job out of school was in a was in a software company, and I ended up doing like product and project management there. Um, so obviously, learned a lot about the space, just how to build and deliver software. Like Dan and I both from more of a kind of a technical d- delivery point of view in the in the software world. So just all the learning and experience we had about how to build efficient development teams, um, you know, how, how to work well and, and all of that goes, you know, like I say, it must be 12, 13 years ago now for us. But there's been so much, so much along the way. I've got some great stories about, you know, not, not picking terrible co-founders. That, that doesn't include Dan, obviously, <laughs> still working together. Um, so, yeah, I've had some like co-founder horror stories. I've had loads of little side ventures and plots along the way that have just gone absolutely nowhere. Um, but always being active in the software space, and like I say, you just you just learn so much. Um, so the first company being being an agency, that's where I know we're going to talk about en- enterprise sales a bit today, and, and I think that's where we had that first experience of dealing with um, you know selling to bigger companies and the structure and the process and you need in place to to do that. So that's fed a lot into receptive as well. Um, but absolutely loads, you know, from building from building good teams to the to the finance side. I mean, previously we'd raised VC funding. Um, we've been through angel investment. We've uh, the the first company we had was completely um, out of out of profit that we were able to to scale that. So you know, we've there's so much. There's you know, absolutely absolutely tons, as I'm sure a lot of people can can relate to um, if you've done this a few times over. Uh, absolutely, and um, like bringing it back to 
or it's it, you know uh, about receptive you um, just a little bit more information just for our audience to, to kind of build the, the the picture about the company so like how, how many people um, uh, are working at receptive now how many employees so we've got um there's like a core team in the uk office of <clears throat> there's like seven of us and then beyond that we've got um a couple of people working like like finance functions um and then we've got like the team of investors as well so we've got like four angel investors um mm. one of which is you know heavily involved from a um a mentoring point of view kevin beals he you know we brought him on specifically for um his expertise in, in enterprise sales again in, mm. in the SaaS world um but we've i mean we've purposely kept the team quite small because they're really punch above the weight that you know like one dev does the work of you know three or four they're just so we've been really really careful on who we hire and kept a really kind of tight a team if you like um because again that's something i've learned from from other companies before if you employ too quickly and don't take on the right people that um you know a good cultural fit or that you know really um like i say they've really got to be able to uh, punch above the weight at, at this point um mm-hmm. So that's something we've learned as well, and it's 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 paid off in terms of the focus and what we can, um, you know, the speed at which we get things out is, you know, I'm really proud of the team. It's incredible what they managed to do. Yeah, I think uh, I mean, like similarly, I mean, we're um, well, we're not a SaaS company, but you know, there's there's six people working mm-hmm. for SaaS stock, and yeah. uh, you know, I think those, those first ten hires, you know, people just need to get shit done or you know punch yeah. weights and they've got to be a right cultural fit it's really important that you get the Absolutely. right people on board because you know it can make or break companies right so oh you're so right yeah and I've, like you said i've definitely seen that with with what you've what you've done as well it it really pays off to get that found, that foundation right now um and you've you just seen i'm sure you have as well alex, alex you hear of you know horror stories teams falling apart politics co-founders falling out it's like it's t- it's tough isn't it getting mm. the the right people in absolutely absolutely and so let, let, let's then talk about um a little bit about your sort of go-to-market model um mm. and uh, and specifically we'll have a a, a deeper dive into uh, in, into enterprise sales um and so when you first launched uh, receptive you know were you know tell us a little bit about the, the go to market model you know is it fully sort of self service smb you know has it changed since the you know inception oh yeah i mean it it absolutely changes i think if we've always known we wanted to be um kind of an enterprise company and that goes back to the the roots of the business really and that was um we spent four months doing uh, an accelerator program called ignite which based up in the northeast um and during that time um like i said we had this this product this this prototype of a product that we'd that we built but we didn't know we didn't really know who we'd be selling to at that point we just kind of had this this idea that other SaaS companies might might like it so i think one of the the best things we did was just spend four to six months just doing loads and loads of customer development. And it was during that time that we learned that um, the pain points that Receptive solve, they scale. So it's, uh, you know, it's a bit of a pain for smaller organizations, but when you get to enterprise level, that's where we really, really add the value. And by going through that process, that's how we, we learned that that's really where we, we should be, we should be heading. Um, and then along the way, you end up, you know, selling to, to smaller companies as, as well, because like I say, the whole, the whole thing is a process. You find gaps in your products, so particularly enterprise level, things like 
some good examples for us was understanding, you know, the deep user permissions enterprise customers need, or like the branding control integrations, all of this stuff. And then outside of the product is, uh, as well, um, there's a lot of enterprise things you have to deal with, like uh, like legals, like just your terms and conditions and your insurance and where your data centers are um, and, all the, and all of this stuff. Um, and I think I saw, I saw something on, uh, on Friday, actually, on, on LinkedIn by um, a company called Okta. Are you familiar with Okta? Have you heard of Okta, Alex? Yeah, like a, um, a security sort of uh, solution, isn't it? For If you've got lots of SaaS applications within your enterprise, you might be good to have Okta. This is my kind of yeah, yeah. description of it, something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So from my understanding, they let you kind of manage, control and secure the applications that, that, you, that you use. And I saw this little clip around the company, actually, and they were um, – it caught my attention because they were saying uh, the, the two founders um, that you know that it takes a couple of years how to you know learn how to get up and running ready to sell to the enterprise you've got to make sure your customers are happy and, and successful and I could really relate to to their stories well it was I think it's Todd McKinnon and Frederick Kerris I could relate to what they were saying they said that they'd sold to you know smaller businesses and just anyone who listened to them um, and that's definitely like the the journey we felt we've kind of gone down as well i think mm. yeah i mean isn't it so you like at, at the beginning when uh receptive you know is out of beta you you started selling to the market you i I'm, from what i'm hearing you kind of knew that you know through the customer development you've got a product which is you know ready for the enterprise market but you know you're not going to solely focus on enterprise sales because i mean i guess kind of the sales cycle is quite sort of lengthy and it could potentially be a, a long time until you get any revenue in, um, you know, kill the business. Is that, is that kind of, um, you know, uh, does that sound sort of, you know, correct? Yeah, yeah, def- definitely. And I think as well there was um, something I came across called the sales learning curve. Um, I'd read this article in the, it was in the Harvard Business Review and it's actually from 2006. Um, and I think Mark Leslie was involved from Veritas Software um, and I think there was a quote in there saying that uh, you think you're ready for the enterprise, but then you're not. I don't know if it was as simplistic as that, um, but I think that's definitely how how we felt and why the customer development side is so important. So when when you start out, you think you might be ready for the enterprise, but until you start all this customer development and the learning side of things, you don't. You, you just you're just not there. You just have to start off on that on that process and you know sell to other companies along the way. So receptive a year ago was ready for a certain market and a certain type of customer receptive today is is very different um i don't think well i'd love to hear if anyone has from what i've seen anyway it really has been a learning experience as i say and everything we learn on the sales side um then feeds into the marketing the way that we talk the language we use the content the way we develop the product out and you can't just wake up one morning and have this beautiful enterprise product you know you sell to others along the way um some of that obviously like like you said alex from a financial point of view because of the bigger sales cycle but also just because you're not there you haven't done you haven't like done the learning to get you to that uh, kind of en- fully enterprise ready product just yet and what, what is the um the kind of rough split in terms of uh, smb customers versus enterprise customers um that, that you have at the moment that's a good question, actually. So the, the bigger deals have really been just the last six months. So prior to that, we had we were like servicing um, some larger organisations, but like smaller groups within that. Um, so it's, prob- it's probably still a lot more sway towards like the scaling mid 
mid-market type uh, company. Um, and I think a lot of that has, has been, like I was saying uh, a second ago, because of, because of the product. We invested heavily in the, uh, the product side as January this year and, and built the development team out a bit more. And that's had a huge, that's had such a big impact the last, the last six months. Um, so we're definitely, you know, we're, we're starting to do that now, but it's still more, more mid-market is the, the bulk of the customer base. Sourcing these opportunities, um, I guess, you know, from, a, from an SMB perspective, um, you know, I would imagine a lot of it is around sort of, you know, content. Uh, sort of driven, you know, mm-hmm. self-service uh, coming to your website. I mean, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong or if you're doing, or I'd be interested to know if you're doing anything else around, um, you know, getting the, the, the smaller customers. But how, how are you sourcing the, the, the more mid-markets or enterprise-type uh, deals? It's all been, um, like, very content-led so far, uh, to be honest. Um, we've dabbled like a little bit in outbounds, but it just wasn't paying off in the way that the investment in, in content was. So we've actually got someone full-time now on, on the content side. Um, but it's been very much, you know, being active in the networks, um, building out the, the content and the following. And that's been where we've been getting all the leads from. Um, so outbound is something I'd like to get to at some point. I talked to, um, like Kevin, our uh, lead investor, and uh, you know the guy I mentioned is uh-huh. is just sales is so awesome on the sales side. Uh, we talk about outbound a lot. So his his company Refract is at, um, at a similar stage to ours. They do um, like a sales coaching solution. Uh-huh. Um, he's at a similar stage, and I love talking to him because we've gone for the kind of content led sales model, and he's built this amazing outbound team. With, fantastic um so it's something i'd like to go back to but right now it's not it's like it's not the focus um well you do a bit of both do you, you are you quite because you, obviously you're very content-led to start with but yeah 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 yeah. i mean we we do outbound uh i, I would have to say um, obviously you know we're we're not a SaaS company but um you know we we're now investing a lot in content um most of well, I, I guess kind of, you know, our revenue is, is split between, you know, uh, well, it's all coming from the conference, SASCOT. It, it's split between ticket sales and sponsorship sales. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the ticket sales side of things, you know, it, it's mostly, you know, uh, well, it's all driven, um, uh, I guess, kind of online. Um, a lot of it is through, uh, driven through email. So it's about yeah. building that email list and, you know, how do you grow the email list? A lot of it is around, you know, creating, um, you know, investing in great content. So whether it's doing, you know, the podcast or, um, you know, some of the, uh, um, the, the content that we're, we're putting on our, our blog um, now, which we're invested heavily in. Um, and likewise, I think from the, the sponsorship side of things as well. So we have, you know, I guess the different kind of tiers, but, you, you know, from um, startup sponsorship, which I think is, is, is mostly all, you know, inbound, um, and silver and uh, you know gold, it can be a kind of split between inbound and a little bit of outbound. But I actually yeah, find, yeah. I find I find the inbound we have more of that. Uh, I don't know what the uh, the percentage is, but generally people will find out about the your business or your your offering your service, and you know kind of be. 60 70 percent of the way uh, there in terms of their their decision making that yeah we want to yeah. partner with this and uh, you know partner with this event 
um, you know, and, and often then it's just kind of handling their inbound in, uh, in, inquiry with uh, the information that we have um, and, and kind of taking it from there. Um, so generally, yeah, I mean, we don't have this like, uh, actually, we don't have like a dedicated salesperson or a dedicated sales team, you know, uh, at the moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, it's typically me handling the, um, you, you know, sort of inbound or when I get time doing a bit of outbound, but I, I don't find that as effective. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think I think we're, we're in a very similar position. Definitely share the same feelings on that as well. But it's, you know, it's not so outbound might, you know, become a really important function you know, down the line at some point for sure. So, so right now, so you mentioned, so Kevin Beals at, at Refract, he's, he's built this, you know, outbound sales team. Yeah. Um, you currently receptive, are, are sourcing most of your opportunities through content, it's inbound. Um, and then I think, uh, if I remember correctly, you said that you, you, you uh, are the salesperson you're the chief sales officer you're mm-hmm. ceo but you're, you're also yeah. you're, you're, you're uh, one of your main functions is, is you know uh handling the, uh, the 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 sales pipeline right so um um tell us a little bit more about this like how much of your time as, as ceo you're spending on sales and and on these larger deals you know um you know, is it a 50%, you know, of, of your time sort of job? Um, uh, give us a bit more uh, detail around that. Sure. So over the last few months, I think it's gone from pro- possibly half the time, if a bit less, to like being 90% of, of what I've been doing, which, um, you know, you don't, you don't sleep much, I guess, but it's all fine. Um, so, yeah, definitely being a lot, a lot heavier on the sales side because of the importance of, um kind of learning to to close these enterprise sales and and to do them well there's so much learning that you have to do um it's it's just it's ridiculous and me and dan actually uh dan my co-founder work work really closely on that side and um ali mahan as well who um looks after customer success between the three of us sales is you know an, an absolute focus um so that's kind of you know where where i spend spend most of the most of the time at the moment to be honest so yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure everybody's kind of read this, uh, um, but uh, I, from what I've seen online, you, you know, for the first sort of year or, or I think even two years, mm-hmm. right, the CEO should really be you know the VP of sales, right, um, and, and leading the uh, leading the sales charge. Um, so I guess you're kind of getting to that point now where receptive is what two years old. You're doing ninety yeah. percent of the sales you probably want, might want to, uh, I, I don't know, but, you know, start thinking about, um, you know, building, you know, out that sales team or making that, you know, the, the, the first kind of sales hires, um, you know, is that in your kind of uh, immediate thoughts? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Actually, I'm, I'm hoping to be kind of leading the sales just for another kind of six months tops, I'd say. Um, I think that's one of the things when you're, when you're a founder, you start off doing, absolutely everything and you feel like you gradually get lifted out of certain functions so you know the the product side and well you know what it's like you you're closely involved with everything but but not the day-to-day um so now I've, I've kind of handed down content's gone like the development and the and the product when I say gone I don't mean you know what you know yeah, what we yeah. do you're not like disappearing completely um but like out you've lifted yourself out of that day-to-day so sales is and even like the you know the financial side you have to do all that yourself to start with so i think sales is the last key function of the company that i'm still heavily involved in mm. um so you're absolutely right i see within the next six months i'd like to have um kind of 
started to hire more more sales team and kind of lifted myself out of the um uh, out of a lot of that but I think it's so important to to stay in touch with sales because that's where you do all your learning about the market and also um you know how how to sell it and express what your product does um but I guess it's similar for you know the other functions of the company like Ali and, and I work really closely um you know she leads all the customer success side mm-hmm. but it's, you know it's so important to be involved with that to understand how people are acquiring and using your product um but yeah I think I think definitely you need to reach that point where you you lessen the less in the day-to-day has, has that been your experience as well as as, as you've kind of uh, yeah I, yeah and uh, I like the fact that you're uh, uh, sw- switching up and uh, asking me questions as well it's, oh sorry no, no, it's good, it's good. <laughs> I like it um yeah you know what I mean my background before for <clears throat> before doing this I mean this is my my first startup right yeah my yeah. background before that was I've got 11 year sales career and and actually, like at the end of my like, let's say the last year of the sales career, I kind of, you know, I, I was falling out of love with sales, and um, you, you know, I was like, do you know what? I, I don't want to be, you know, still doing like, uh, and and no offense to anybody that is doing it, but uh, doing enterprise sales, you you know, for another twenty years or what? You know, mm-hmm. when I'm fifty, I, I, I want to be, you know, doing something different. And then, you know, when you become, you know, the, let's say you're the founder of a, of a startup, effectively your, your kind of first job is, right, you've got, you've got to sell. You've, you've, you know, we had to, um, you know, sell sponsorship. You know, we had to, I mean, sell tickets less. It, it, it's, it's not really, a, 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 I guess, a, a direct sale. But, you know, one of the first things I was doing was getting the first couple of sponsors on board, which were, you know, yeah. Mobile and, and Price Intelligently. And now... You, you know, I've been leading the uh, leading the sales. Although, uh, I guess as we've grown to a six-person company now, um, you, you know, I, the, the time and focus on sales has gone from like a couple of days a week to, you know, one day a week probably mm-hmm. at yeah. best. Um, and I, and I kind of sort of recognise some now. You know, maybe after kind of the next SaaS stock that we will, you know, we, we could benefit from having a dedicated salesperson on, on sponsorship. I'm, I'm sure um, we would be doing, you know, uh, uh, we're doing pretty okay, but, you, you know, having somebody full-time on sales and having that focus, I think will, you know, really benefit the, uh, the, the company. So I, I just find uh, whilst I had fallen out of love with sales when I was, you know, working for somebody else, after, but that was because after, you know, 11-year uh, sales career, I mean, there were moments you know, when I, I was very much sort of passionate about, um, you know, sales and, and selling other people's uh, products. But then, um, you know, I've now, uh, you know, I guess sales of, of all of the CEO, you, you know, functions that I'm doing, sales is the one that I enjoy the most. Um, you, you know, I'm not, you know, super keen on, you know, the, the admin or uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the op stuff and, you know the, the financial side of things, and okay. you know the, the, there's a lot of you know boring things that just need to be done, right? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And I just find that I have this you, you know uh, proclivity towards uh, just wanting to do the sales, but just not having enough time to do the sales. Um, so I, I kind of feel like actually, like if I didn't have to do all this CEO shit, 
um, you know, I, I would just focus my time on, on doing the sales because it's it's what I know. You, you know, yeah, it's and, what and, you feel comfortable with, isn't yeah, it? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And because you, you always, when it's your when it's your own business, right? And I'm sure any CEO can kind of relate to this. You know, when you have opportunities and you have the opportunity to bring in, you know. Uh, revenue for for your business i mean it, it, it's exciting and you want to get those deals done you want to you, you want to chase the, the the money right and, and and bring the money in you want to invoice those deals and you you know that this part is uh, it's all very rewarding for the business and um you know a lot of the the the, the stuff which is sort of less revenue sort of driven you're kind of like ah oh, you know i i get i'll i'll get to that yeah um, i'll get to that bit uh, but uh but yeah so you you know i'm I'm enjoying it, but I think there's, there's got to be a, a point in time where actually we get somebody in, you know, full time. Maybe you know somebody that's better than me, you know, uh, at this, and uh, um, hopefully that time is, um, you know, coming up soon. Cool. Yeah. Um, and let's uh, sort of wrap up the sales, um, you know, uh, I, I guess sort of conversation, um, just with what you, your key lessons that you've learned in, you know, selling to the mid uh, mid market and enterprise. Um, you know, is there a couple of things, a couple of takeaways that uh, that you can share with the audience? Yeah, I mean, um, there's a there's a lot, isn't there? As, uh, as I'm sure most people are aware. I think, uh, okay, so thinking about a, a couple of a couple of key points, really. Um, bizarrely, like I think I think customer success has been has been absolutely key for us, and something we've done really really well. So, from enterprise, particularly from an enterprise point of view, you know, you've got to think about actually what happens when I close this deal. You can't just. Um, I really enjoyed uh, Patrick from Price Intelligent. Then uh, we were all over at the um, at the hot dry event in Malta, weren't we? And mm-hmm. I, that's the first time I'd seen Patrick do his talk. And you know, I'm I'm sure a lot of listeners are you know aware of aware of what he does. But he made the great point that the SaaS companies succeed that succeed are the ones that focus on the retention and the upsell rather than the acquisition of, of new business. Yeah, and you know, both functions are obviously vital to the company. But I think you know, do think about, that's one thing I've learned, particularly with the enterprise, think about what happens after that sale. You know, you've got to look after these people and do just a flipping good job and build a real partnership and a relationship with them. Um, so that was certainly a key key lesson um, for us, at least investing in customer success early has been fantastic uh, for sure. Um, another key lesson, this is a very practical one, Alex, I hope it's all right. Um, yeah. I think one mistake we made was our sales process was a bit, fragmented fragmented and what i mean by by that is uh kevin came in one day and he, he pointed this out and it, it just seemed ridiculous once someone had pointed it out um but we had like one of us dealing with the leads one doing the initial demo then he was getting passed off to someone else for the commercial side and that was kind of like breaking the relationship and the trust that we've been building um with the with the potential customer mm-hmm. um so one thing we do we do now is we like take it in turns to to take new leads on so that you really own that relationship particularly again at the enterprise end this is so important you've got to build a rapport and a trust and a working relationship with with that customer from day one um and i know like there's other models of this isn't it particularly for outbound sales where you have you know very very distinct roles for different people at various stages of the sales process. But for us and the company, it's at, uh, you know, where we're at today, owning that whole process from when the lead comes into to closing and beyond has, has actually been a really, really positive thing, um, particularly from, from a learning point of view. Um, 
and I think, yeah, the process side as well. If I had to pick a third point, it'd be get yourself processed down. Um, cause without that, you don't, you, you don't know what you're doing. Um, I was an event last week called uh, Pizza for Closers. It was it was really fun. It was up in the northeast actually, um, and that was put on by uh, by Refract. And there was a guy there called Richard Lane um, who runs this company called Durham Lane that do they do a lot to do with sales like training and, and recruitment and, and outsourcing. Um, and he kind of was explaining the importance of the process, and he had it down to like one A four side. Um, so that's something we've aimed for and that we've seen great success in. And we saw that kind of cemented uh, last week, last week at that talk. Um, so spend a bit of time learning your sales process. Um, and it goes back to that, um, that sales learning curve I mentioned that, that I'd read about. I'll, I'll share that article with you actually, Alex, because it's, it's brilliant. Um, but that was about, again, how you go through this stage of learning how to sell to the market, how they, how they buy and, um, so the process helps you helps you learn quicker and, and makes you know starts to make things scalable and repeatable as well. Um, so I think they're the, the three things. Think about the customer success side, um, and and definitely the um, the process side and, and and all that really owning the relationship all the way through. Okay, great uh, great lessons there, and we'll definitely share to that uh, that article in the yeah in the notes to the podcast. Yeah, uh, <coughs> over for you. Absolutely. And, um, and so final question as we, we wrap up the podcast, Hannah. So um, you gave us uh, um, uh, a, a plug at the beginning of the, the show, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you, you know, just to, to, to wrap it off as we, uh, um, or wrap it up as we do, you're speaking at uh, SAS Stock uh, 17 this year. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about your, not, not everything, but just a little <laughs> bit about your talk, um, Tale of the No, How to Scale by Refusing to Do Almost Everything? It's a bit of a, a wordy title. Um, so I came up with this idea because I'd, I'd read this book years ago. Uh, it was called like the Micro ISP, Internet Services Provider or something. And it was about all these really neat, like early software companies and how they started. And uh, it was a book Dan gave me actually. So I, I read this book all these different like tales in of, of how people got started and and the thing that struck me was how different everyone's story was um you know based on the market and the product and and, and all these you know different different things and I, and I realized as well as we've been building and and scaling our own companies that there's loads of like perceived wisdom wisdom and and playbook style kind of literature in the world of um in the world of SaaS and it's amazing when you talk to founders how far off that kind of prescribed or more kind of traditional path that that people go to get a successful company um so I'm basically I'm starting it this week actually I'm, I'm going around to talking to a load of founders uh, about things that they've you know that they've that they've said no to so for some people it might be you know we we said no to VC funding um for us it might be things like you know we've said no to outbound sales and free trials for now um so just doing a, a kind of like a little bit of research over the next couple of months to to learn a bit more um about like the, the stories and kind of p- putting that together to kind of help people building SaaS to give them some some good advice and hopefully words of wisdom Alex is the plan awesome well I, I, I love the fact that you're um you know getting out there and doing research uh, to to help with this uh, uh with the talk for, for SaaS stock hopefully it doesn't take you away too much from your uh, your business uh, uh on the on the day-to-day basis but I'm sure a lot of what you you learn will uh, you know be able to uh, be applied to uh, receptive um, yeah. so um yeah looking forward to uh, seeing that um on the traction uh, stage at uh, at Sastock 17 in September in Dublin um on, on that note Hannah you've been a fantastic guest um 
been a pleasure to to speak with you as uh, uh, as always. Um, and um, you know, for for the listeners at home, we'll be uh, you know publishing this um, you know podcast on um, sasdoc.com forward slash blog. Um, and um, yep, Hannah, thanks very much. Thank you so much, Alex. Lovely as always. Thank you very very much. <laughs>